0: The following podcast is a Simpranto Media Production. She's a business
1: mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantelle Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hey guys, I'm super excited for my next guest. It's Dr. Janine Krause. And today we are going to be talking all about how stress can really interrupt in a huge way your digestive system. And so uh, welcome, Dr. Janine Krause. Tell us a little bit about your own wellness journey and how it brought you to naturopathic medicine. Thanks, Chantel. Yeah, I started getting interested in naturopathic medicine when
0: my mom was going through chemotherapy and found that she just did so much better with having a naturopathic doctor on board also an acupuncturist, helping her out too. So I decided, you know, I need to look into this because I had always wanted to be a doctor. I just didn't know what type of doctor. So looking at both sides of medicine, I found there's more tools in the naturopathic medicine world and thought, you know, I'd like to do this. I'd also like to be able to help people in the moment while they're on my table or in my room. So I thought acupuncture would be a great way to help add to that. So that's kind of how my journey started in the naturopathic medicine world.
1: Awesome, well, I love your website. It's it's so pretty. It's got like one of my favorite colors on there. I I love it, love it, love it. It's like it's not a lime green, but it's kind of like a mix of that. It's just beautiful, by the way. So congrats on that. Thank you. Um, but I want to talk to you because the thing that I love that you have on there is a course that you have called "How to Fix Your Digestive System in Six Weeks," and I would say that. Uh, Probably one of the biggest questions. It seems like we're getting more and more and more about it. Um, I think it's because I've shared that <laughs> everyone knows. Like I, my, I am always constipated. Like it is a massive problem for me. And I think when you're vulnerable and you, you know you share that and you say, "Hey, listen, this is a problem for me." then people kind of come out of the woodworks and they're like, well, I'm constipated too, you know? <laughs> and so we're getting all these, all these things and questions about constipation. So let's give people a little glimpse of what are some of your top tips of how to fix your digestive system in six weeks? What would you say those are? Well, first, you got to kind of
0: pay attention to what's going on. So the constipation is a real deal. I myself, part of why I jumped into the digestive system and trying to help folks was because I also was struggling with constipation. So it's something of, of looking at like, what is your digestive system doing? Because I think a lot of people just pass it off as, oh, that's normal. Because I'm sure you probably heard from some people, they thought, oh, like not going to the bathroom for a couple of days wasn't a big deal. So it's first paying attention to like, what is your gut doing, paying attention to what happens when you eat certain foods, paying attention to what happens when you don't drink water. Because one of my easiest fixes, and it seems dumb to say, is making sure hydration is on point. Because a lot of people will be eating a whole bunch of high fiber foods, but if you're not drinking the water, that fiber is going to suck up all that stuff and nothing's going to move anywhere. Mm -hmm. So hydration is my number one thing. And I know a lot of people are like, oh my God, seriously, this is dumb, but you got to look at it. You got to be like real with yourself and honest with yourself. Are you at least drinking half your body weight in water a day? Like number one, look at that. Then the next thing is looking at, well, what's happening with abdominal tightness, things of that nature. Because one of the easiest fixes too, is if you have super tight abdominal muscles or in particular something called the iliopsoas it's a hip flexor muscle Mm. and you can tell if you like go to your hip and you put your hand on top of your hip like you're going to give some attitude and you move your fingers forward you're going to feel a muscle there like dig in and if that hurts it's possible that's also messing with things so getting into some deep lunges kind of like stretching that can help too because a lot of people it's we sit a lot unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And all that sitting, all that compression of the body is going to compress the guts and not let them move. So I'm talking a lot about that in my course. I'm talking a lot about getting hydration. And then if we go to the gut lining level, a couple of different things, magnesium is a major signaler for the gut. And probably most folks listening to this podcast have heard some, you know, chattering here and there about magnesium citrate helping with getting the gut and the bowels moving. And that's absolutely true. It's a matter of finding out what your dosage is. 325 milligrams is kind of like the baseline and you can work up from there. Some people need to just get the gut moving before we can work on repair. Because if you're constipated and that food just sits there over and over again, we're still going to have some irritation on the gut lining. So one of my first ways of working with gut health is we got to get you pooping, like on the regular going on,
1: you know? Yeah. And let's, let's talk about magnesium for just a second, because, um, I had an interesting question come through. I I wasn't going to ask it on this episode, but I might as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but it, it was very interesting. She had, she had made a comment, something like, she's like, I, I remember listening to a podcast about, she, she said, you know, I'm consummated all the time. And she's like, every time I go to the store, I have a hard time remembering what kinds of, which kind of magnesium I should take. And I think in one episode we had talked about how there's like 10 different kinds of magnesium, you know, there's like magnesium citrate, magnesium oxide, magnesium chloride, magnesium lactate. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so you could literally, you know, magnesium malate, you could, you could go to the, you know, store and be like, you know, especially some of these really high end uh, health food stores. And, And she was like, I couldn't figure out which, which magnesium I needed. And she's like, I, I need an easy way to remember which magnesium makes you poop. And I thought that's a great question. Have you thought of any cute ways of how you can remember which, first of all, which magnesium makes you poop and how can you remember it?
0: Super easy. So magnesium citrate, C, you know, C for crap, magnesium <laughs> citrate, you're going to take a crap, the C. So,
1: okay. like it. Very- I like it
0: little course, but it, it's the way that honestly people remember it. And, and my patients know that if we're, we're looking at, you know, trying to help the muscles, magnesium glycinate G for good for the muscles, but C for crap, magnesium citrate helps you crap. There you go.
1: <laughs> mm, I love that. That's a great one. Um, and so let's go back to the dosing again. And do you feel like you should kind of work up to it where you're like, okay, take a little bit of it. And is there any brands, um, you know, out there that you should do or, you know, have you heard of, you know, the, the stuff called calm? Yes. That's my favorite hands down. Is that your favorite and why?
0: Well, a couple different ways. Um, the flavoring for me, I don't love it in terms of the drink. So folks, for folks who are listening and don't know what Natural Calm is, it is a powder that you can put into water. And it has unflavored, which I like the best because now, you know, we don't have to deal with certain person's affinities for flavor profiles, but there's raspberry, lemon, blah, blah, blah. So some people will get interested in the flavor and it works for, for them. And I like it for the fact that if it's unflavored, you could throw it into anything like squash. You could throw it into yogurt. You could throw it into a smoothie if you wanted to. Typically I have people take it at night because now the gut can work overnight. I do have people ramp up because if you take too much, it's gonna be what we call a colon blow. And some people are down with that. But if you've got to work and you've got things going on, it might not work out so wait, well for your day. So a lot of times a will have folks start with the 325 milligrams. That's the base dosage for natural calm. And then if that doesn't provoke anything that morning and you're okay, you know, you, you're not feeling like super bloated, crampy, I'll say, okay, now the next evening, go up, double it. So now we're going to look at 650 milligrams. Most people will talk about at 975 in terms of getting a bowel movement.
1: Okay, so let's let's back up for a second because when you say like you know okay start at three twenty five milligrams, how much is that in a teaspoon? So how much is a teaspoon of calm? Is that like is like two hundred? I think it's like two hundred and five milligrams. I think write in three. You know, I'm gonna have to actually look. Hold on
0: one second while we're hanging out. I'm doing a. Look. Let's see if
1: I'm right. Two hundred and five is one teaspoon. I bet. Natural calm there we go let's look at the label
0: because usually what i'm doing is mm-hmm. having people get on and do a scoop let's see we've got two teaspoons equal 300 nuts that 350 natural calm the regular unflavored so there's different ones um, by the way so i am looking at Raspberry lemon flavor is kind of like my, my main one. Most people like that one. That is 320 yeah. milligrams, and that's three teaspoons there. Oh, okay. And if we look at the original, it's 350 milligrams. So that's three teaspoons. So
1: okay. So you would suggest that they take, wait, say it, say it one more time so everyone knows. For the original, so this is the unflavored calm, you're looking at three teaspoons
0: to, to this, get the starting dosage. So you okay. get back. So
1: you would suggest they start at three teaspoons, Mm -hmm. but then they they start at three teaspoons. But if you really want to kind of clean things out, where do do you end up? And do you do it every day? What's your suggestion?
0: Good question. So I start at three teaspoons and then what I'll do is double it. So six teaspoons the next day if you haven't had like a full bowel movement. So what I mean is if you don't have... If it's like clinkers is what we talk about in my office. So if you get little pellets and you don't feel like you have completed a bowel movement, you feel like you're still full in there, you haven't had something that is at least six inches in length, you know, and it's not got a C or an S shape kind of Mm -hmm. thing going on, then I would go up to the double dosage the next day Mm -hmm. and see how things look in that department. Can you use it every day? Yes. I usually have people find what dosage works for them to provoke a nice bowel movement. Now, of course, in the meantime, we're working on getting the gut lining repaired. We're working on other things because I don't want people to be dependent on magnesium mm. the rest of their life. It's it's not a good idea to be taking high, high dosages of magnesium for life. Some people will definitely argue with me on that one, but I'm the type of doc who's like, I would love people to find the root and not put Band-Aids on things.
1: So, so let's talk about why what are some of the things that are the root causes? Like if you said, Hey, these are the top three reasons why I'm seeing that people are constipated and the root cause of it. What would those be?
0: So number one often tends to be a neurological type of issue, meaning they're stressed because caveman wise, our bodies are going to hold stool when we think that there's a bear chasing us. Cause obviously it's not convenient to poop when you know, you're being chased. So our caveman brains don't know the difference between life as it is now and what it's like, you know, in caveman times. We're still, we haven't evolved in that state. Now, the other reason I already mentioned before is water. Hydration, that's a biggie for folks. The next big one that you could kind of argue balances in with the amount of veggies someone eats, but really it's gut microbiome balance. What's going on on your gut lining? because a lot of people have dysbiosis, meaning imbalance of gut bugs, and it's a matter of figuring out, is it too much yeast? Is it a component of not enough of beneficial bacteria? That's why probiotics can be beneficial for folks to have consistent bowel movements too. So yeah, it's, it's looking at the gut lining which I love that biome's out there now and we can have folks testing their stool and knowing what's going on in their gut lining. Because those three things, Mm -hmm. hydration, what's going on in the gut lining, are you eating enough veggies to feed your beneficial bacteria? You know, those kind of go together. And then the neurological aspect, are you stressed? Are you stuck in a fight or flight state and your body just is not going to let go of the stool like it should until it gets to the point where, you know, things overflow it's like, okay, we got to go. We're going to push that through now.
1: Now, uh, one of the things that I've had questions about in, on our podcast is vacations when it comes to constipation, because people are always saying, you know, like some people who say, I do great, you know, like every day I'm, I'm doing really good. But what happens is I go on vacation. Let's say I go on a five day vacation and I cannot go. What's going on there? What what's happening that they go on vacation and now all of a sudden they're constipated if they were regular before?
0: A lot of different things are at play there. It Depends on how they're traveling. Most of us, let's face it, you know, getting up to use the bathroom on an airplane not anyone's idea of a good time. So <laughs> a <lot of> that, <laughs> let's face it, it's gross in there. Oh my god! And it's so small, and you know, the sound like, am I going to get sucked into that thing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I have fears of these things. <laughs> you know, I look at that toilet and now it sucks. And I'm like, oh my God, what if you got in there? What, what would you do? So, you know, there's that. And I think a lot of people are, are dehydrating themselves, unfortunately, when they travel because, you know, some people go grab a drink, you know, mm-hmm. or if it's an early flight, you're going to pound some coffee, then you will maybe get to the bathroom, but you might not drink as much water as you normally would. So dehydration is a big factor. If you're traveling like a road trip, sometimes that too. You don't want to keep having to stop and pee. You know, that takes forever to get to a certain place. So yes, I'm sounding like a a broken record a little bit, but hydration is something. If you're traveling, like commit to making sure that you hydrate. And yeah, you got to get over the fear of the airplane bathroom. I'm still working on it, but it happens. But the other thing that happens is, is that's the stress factor, right? We've taken ourselves out of our routine. And when we travel, we eat at different times. We have a whole completely different routine. So I'm having folks that have travel constipation. Often they'll take, we'll bring the magnesium. We'll maybe get a little cascara sagrada. So the Seneca, take that with to kind of help just push things along. Yes, it's a band-aid, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Also working on stretching and some abdominal rolling. Because when you're sitting down for traveling, because most of us are either going to be in a car or train a plane, you know, something where we sit more than we normally do, we're going to crunch and compress that gut again. So working on rolling out the abdomen too, it seems weird, but you know, it, it makes a huge difference and trying to stick as best as you can to your normal routines, but also looking at how much you're eating. Because if you're going to overload your gut, you're going to have trouble with digestion too. So that's another biggie that I think about is trying to go, okay, I'm eating out, I'm eating at new places. Watch your portions even while you are out and about because that will be another big factor adding to the constipation. And my last thing is digestive enzymes. A lot of times when we travel, because the body's stressed, we won't kick out the enzymes that we need to break down the food. So I will have people bring that on board too to help with things because it's a real deal. And this happens to me quite often.
1: Mm. And what if someone had had put in that they were constantly they felt like they were just drinking water, drinking water, drinking water, but they can't seem to quench that thirst? Like no matter how much water they're drinking, they're just constantly feeling like they're thirsty. What are some possible conditions of that, and what's going on inside of someone when that's going on?
0: Well, first thing I would say about constant thirst and not being able to quench it is diabetes. Gotta rule that out in terms of blood sugar issues. Diabetes insipidus is a type of diabetes where you literally drink yourself, you know, in, into some troubles with your kidneys. Um, so my first question, my first question to the folks would be, all right, you know, what's your blood sugar looking like? What's your hemoglobin A1C? That's your blood sugar over time. That's number one. Number two would be looking at what's going on with the adrenal glands. What's going on with your electrolyte balance? Because sometimes the brain will get signals to drink more water. But it's not that we need the water, it's we need the electrolytes, the sodium, the potassium, the chloride. So sometimes I'll have folks grab an electrolyte drink and see if that works. Or, and I'm not talking about Gatorade, I'm talking maybe like Ultima, something like that. Yeah, it's got stevia, but something of that nature. Or you can make homemade Gatorade. You could cut a lemon in half, squeeze that into 10 ounces of water, put like three greens of sea salt in there, and maybe half a you know, half to quarter teaspoon of honey in there and you've got yourself like a homemade lemonade, but it's it's like Gatorade. And seeing if that daily will help with quenching the thirst because sometimes it has to do with that. And if you're going into intermittent fasting, I'm sure you talk all about this too, is that sometimes folks need a little bit more salt once they are starting to fast a little bit. And sometimes your body's asking for that, not necessarily all the water.
1: Are you enjoying the summit and hearing all the great advice that you don't want to forget? Get the all access pass and get all the video presentations and the audio downloads of every single session. You can get the all access pass and listen to the summit all year long if you want. The best part is you get all of the transcripts so you can go back and read and see every little note that they talked about. Go to FastingResetSummit.com to get your all access pass today. Hey guys, Lauren here. Did you know Chantel just released her new book, Fasting of Freedom? The book is all about the benefits of fasting from a biblical perspective. You'll discover how you can see supernatural healing in your body, you will learn how to discern God's still small whisper to guide you and help you make decisions. You will also master utilizing God's power to overcome difficult times and receive a breakthrough when you are stuck. And you will see how fasting can help you gain victory over a nagging area of sin in your life. You can order your coffee right now on Amazon or go to fastingoffreedom.com. Link is in the show notes. Hey guys, I just finished writing a quick little 20 page recipe book that has some of my most amazing smoothie recipes. Everyone that comes over is like Chantel, you can turn a smoothie into gold. And so I'm sharing that with you free. It's got my tropical colada smoothie recipe, my extra super green smoothie that tastes delicious, and it's all for free. Go to ChantelRayWay.com smoothie for your free book. I've also developed my own product line. You'll be able to get all these multivitamins that I'm doing in one pill. Each nutrient is totally legit. All the formulas are tested and science-backed without any mystery additives. Personally, my thyroid is better. My skin is glowier. I have more energy. This supplement is vegan, non-GMO, gluten, and allergy-free. Go to ChantalRayWay.com supplements and check them out. Now, back to the show. Now let's go back into digestive health a little bit. Um, you know, when I was younger, when I was in college, I, got, I have my degree in mathematics. And so when you are, have your degree in math, like you don't even do regular math anymore. And so like my third and fourth year of college, like you, you're past calculus one, calculus two, calculus three, and it starts getting so crazy. You start doing math with no numbers anymore and it's just beyond, beyond and during my my third year of college i developed an eating disorder because i was so I was so used to succeeding at everything I did. And now, you know, I would, I was the type of student that like at school, I would miss school for a week. I'd come back and I'd ace my calculus test, you know? Um, But then once I was at this high, high levels of math and I'm like, what in the world? Like, I can't even do this. And I think I was just running to food and then I became bulimic. And so for probably about two to three years, I was bulimic when I was in college, And finally, thank God, I haven't struggled with that anymore besides that. But do you think that that has, if someone has struggled with an eating disorder, does that really impact from that long ago? And my son, when I was born, I threw up like... I threw up six times a day, every single day from the time I was pregnant to the time I gave birth. So for nine months, I was just throwing up every single minute because I was just so nauseous all the time. So I was thinking maybe the combination of those two things has maybe wrecked a little bit of havoc on my microbiome. Can you talk a little bit about um, eating disorders or anything like that? How big of an effect does that have on someone's you know, gut microbiome?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot of evidence in terms of bulimia in particular, because we're, we're hurting the nervous system over time with this, because your vagus nerve is your nerve that keeps your stress in check. And if you are constantly purging, unfortunately, now you're taking out some of the fiber and things that you could normally have in the gut to help, you know, keep it nice and strong, but also you're messing with the peristalsis, so movement of things in the gut, so things tend to sit a little bit longer. The longer that foods that are actually in your intestines sit, the more that your bacteria have to deal with these foods. Now, it depends on what kind of foods these are. A lot of times, if someone has an eating disorder, and depending on which direction we're going, myself, I suffered with binge eating. I didn't purge. Um, I will do everything in my freaking power not to throw up. So um, learning a lot about me, bathrooms <laughs> and purging. Um, but it's one of my things, like I will fight it, right? up. But I've never been pregnant, so I don't, you know, I, I, I imagine that I'd probably have to figure that one out. But if we go back to, to eating disorders and binging, that's too much food going in at one time. Your bacteria can't handle that. So a lot of them will die. And so now you're messing with the balance on that level. But you're also looking at what kinds of foods are you eating when you're binging? And for me, it was chips, it was crackers, a lot of heavy carb stuff. So that tends towards feeding a lot of the yeast in the gut and killing off some of the beneficial bacteria. With bulimia, we're looking at a lot of just irritation to the gut lining, lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, the two most like strongest, if you will, or most beneficial bacteria will be disturbed in that case. Now, anorexia, you're not giving enough fiber to the beneficial bacteria. So they can't survive. They're they're just not getting the nutrition. And so you can look at at the different ways. They're either overfed, underfed, or you're tending towards giving more of a certain population of the gut bacteria, more nutrition. Mm. Creates a mess.
1: Yeah. Well, let's jump into the listener questions. I'm going to skip a couple of them because I feel like you've done a great job in our talks of answering some of those, but I do want to answer this one. Um, This is from Grace from Southport. I'm a 63 year old woman until menopause. I was always slim and could lose weight really easily. But in the past five years, I've slowly been gaining weight that I can't get rid of. I've gained about 25 pounds that just won't budge. What can I do? Grace in Southport.
0: Okay, so Grace, menopause is a very is a is a very oh man it's tr- it's it's hard on the gut and and it starts in the years before it. So those of us that are in our forties need to really think about making sure that our gut lining is on point and making sure we've got some good balance in the gut. And you know that can be checked by Viome, which is Viome.com. You just take a swab of your toilet paper, and now you get a good basis. Now. Is it a hundred percent? Are there better tests? There's better tests coming out there. I will tell you that, but it gives you a good idea of what's going on in the gut lining. Now, when someone's going through menopause, we're starting to lose. So
1: so let's, let's stay there real quick for just a second. So um, is that something where they just go to like biome.com, they get a Mm -hmm. home-based test and they literally just take their poop and then send it in. And that's going to give you some, some testing on what's going on in your microbiome. Yes. Yes. You're going
0: to swap. You don't even have to play with your poop, folks. So those of you who are a little afraid of that, you're literally swabbing your toilet paper. So that's kind of cool. You're you're not really having to play with things. Then, yes, you're sending that off. And Viome is going to tell you what type of bacteria that you have in your gut and what types of foods that are more beneficial for you, what types of foods could be problematic for you. And the foods that are problematic are usually because you don't have the bacteria to help to digest them. Now, I'm a bit of a take the biome to the next level kind of gal where I'm telling folks, okay, we've got these missing bacteria. These are the ones you want to try to help support. You're not going to be able to support everything that you show that you might be deficient in because we don't have bacteria for that at this point. But if we're starting to get the more beneficial bacteria supported, now we're going to have more of a healthier like neighborhood, if you will, in the gut. And so it'll, it'll lend to letting some of the beneficial stuff start to live again. Okay. So in menopause, what's happening, we're, we're dropping on estradiol. So estradiol is one of our three main estrogens we have in the body. And estradiol is most beneficial for keeping the gut lining maintained. So a lot of people, what happens in menopause is we'll start to have a shift in the gut bugs. Or if we have parasites that we've had, and I know that sounds really gross to folks, we can get them even though we didn't travel to India or anywhere that's a little bit more (laughs) known for coming back with parasites. So sometimes those will start to show up and, and cause trouble. Weight gain with menopause also has to do with imbalance of hormones as well. Sometimes depending on where the weight is of that 20 Five pounds is kind of holding. So I would ask the listener, where's that weight holding? Is it in the abdomen? Is it, you know, kind of on the armpit underneath, you know, kind of the back boob as we would call it area there, or is it gaining like thighs? It would tell us a little bit about, does she need to work a little bit on detox? Does she need to work a little bit on balancing hormones? Because what happens as we get older is all of our systems are just not as efficient as they once were. We've had some life to live. We've beat them up in different ways, whether it's stress, whether it's drinking, whether, you know, whatever it may be. So it's a matter of working to optimize your hormone balance, optimize mitochondria. So these are the the little factories in every single one of your cells. So she might need a little bit of that. We also might need to work on clearing out the liver a little bit. I love to do liver cleanses twice a year with folks and lymphatic cleanses too. That's why celery juice is like all the rage. It clears your lymphatic system. And right now we're just coming off of Thanksgiving. There's cranberries in all the stores. Cranberries can help to clean things out. So I'd recommend for the scalp to get, get the body cleaned up a little bit. Do, you know, find someone that can help you with going through a little detox, a little bit of lymphatic cleansing, maybe even consider a colonic. Just kind of flush the gut bugs out and reestablish balance and start you know, get someone that can help you to find out where are your hormones at. Where's estrogen? Mm-hmm. Where's progesterone? And help them working balancing that.
1: Let's talk about parasites for just a second because it's funny, I've <clears throat> seen different articles all around and some have said, you know, 15% of the population has parasites. Some say 50%. And I've seen it as high as 85% of the people who are walking around has some sort of parasite in their gut. Um, what is your opinion on parasites and what are you seeing as like the, the most like the biggest culprit of parasites, like which one is it, and what are you, what's your biggest remedy to heal it?
0: All right. So it's hard to catch them, if you will, because they cycle every three to four days. So your doc's got to do a three-day stool sample if they're going to try to catch them. And sometimes we'll get negative tests in a three-day sample. So if you get a negative test, but you're still suspecting that you have parasites, there's nothing wrong with just doing a parasite cleanse, barring, of course, we want to make sure you're healthy enough to do a cleanse, got to give that disclaimer, of course. But if we look at what's the cause of parasites, You know, two things probably are the main that I find being the cause. There's a lot of causes, but number one would be water that's not clean. And number two would be improperly cooked food. We have a lot of food that's supposed to be cooked to 160 degrees in the the restaurants and with a flux of 140 degrees. But, you know, are all chefs there checking the temperatures? Probably not. Um, And fast food would be more of where I would be concerned and curious only because now we have teenagers and I know how I was when I was a teenager working in a restaurant, I was uh, not on top of it. So I would be thinking food would be a a main one and then we're looking a lot at water and then pets. I love my dogs to death, but pets do tend to carry some parasites as well and can cause some issues. And parasites can be related to a lot of health issues. Blastocystis hominy is one that's connected with Hashimoto's thyroiditis. So we also have consequences of having parasites in the system long term. Now you were asking me about how do I treat them. That's tricky. You have to rotate some herbs. Artemisinin, which is wormwood, is one of my favorites. Cloves are good. Black walnut is also extremely beneficial. And myrrh. Those are kind of the four herbs that I will rotate in any given sequence with folks. So something to pay attention to. And one more thing um, that I think I want to share for a lot of folks, because I've just kind of discovered the connection to this. If you have skin rashes and they're rotating, like they'll get better for like three to four days and then they flare again, that's usually connected to a parasite. Parasite. And I started to see that really come you know, to fruition in my office in terms of over and over again, I'm like, yes, this is absolutely parasite. It's not, you know, some of the other things that I was thinking that it could be. It seems to be very parasitic connected. So
1: and do you have some very like, do you have a special parasite blend that you recommend that you say that, you know, this one is kind of the most effective for cleaning out parasites? Mm, You know, a lot of times I'll use something
0: by a company called orthomolecular. It's called Parasid. Forte, P-A-R-A-C-I-D forte. I like that one. It's got kind of everything you could possibly want that I mentioned and and more. Um, I do sometimes do individual herbs though. There's a company called Quicksilver, Quicksilver, and they have an Artemisin. That I, that I use quite often, it's a little bitter. So if folks can't tolerate the herby flavor, there are capsules as well from a company called Allergy Research Group, it's called Super Artemisinin. Those would be where I would start. You can get capsules of myrrh from a company called Standard Process, um, I, I believe it's their Medi-Herb version of Standard Process. And then the black walnut, that I usually use in tincture form. So that's a liquid dropper. And I will use Gaia Herbs or even Herb Farm for that.
1: Awesome. Well, I want to ask you, since we're talking about parasites, I had a friend of mine who she, actually, she does my nails and she I was talking to her and I had ordered a sushi roll and it had raw tuna in it and I said would you like some and she's like oh no she said when I was younger I was a fishmonger and she's like what I did was I that was her job she literally took the fish she cut it open you know checked it for parasites and she said what we were told to do is we would she's like most of the fish were loaded with parasites and all we would do is take the fish we'd cut it apart and then we would just take the parasites and like Cut that portion off and then give the rest over, and oh. she's like, "So because of that, I'll never eat fish." And then after she said that, I was thinking, well, <laughs> "I don't know if I want to eat the rest of my, you know, <laughs> sushi here." But you know, I ended up still doing it. But what's what's your um, take on like raw tuna and parasites?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yes, that's part of the category of undercooked foods, and I've seen living in Tacoma Washington I mean we have a lot of seafood and I've kind of went down to the docks where some of the fishermen are actually in Seattle and yeah you get stuff from there and you'll find the little worms and the parasite things in there oh my god I, if that's what I'm seeing and this is supposed to be higher quality fish and I've seen it at Whole Foods too full mm. disclosure but I, I can't Im- I I don't do, I do vegetarian sushi. Yeah. I just can't like do it. And, and so, yes, I would absolutely agree that probably a lot of us, if we do like sushi, that is another source of where we're getting the parasites and, and Mm. probably for a lot of people, because it's considered healthier food these days. It might very well be the source. The cause
1: of it. All right. This is from Jen in Madison. I've heard that stubborn belly fat is linked to stress and cortisol levels. Is that true? And if so, will I lose weight just by reducing my stress?
0: Yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, she's right, cortisol loves to put the fat right in the belly. And that's why I was asking about the menopause patient. That question, you know, about losing the weight, where where's that weight? And it's it's hard to work just stress reduction but also thinking about your carbohydrate content and what you're eating in terms of carbs are you eating a lot of processed carbs are you stressed at a certain time of day because if we know like when someone's stressed we can go, okay, that is the time that you should not be one. Maybe you could not not eat and you could go through a little bit of fasting in that period. Or you could perhaps make sure that you're only eating something that's high in protein and good fat. Because anytime that you're feeling extremely stressed, your blood sugar's up too. And so you're gonna kind of drive that excess of sugar. And what's your body gonna do when it can't burn that sugar off? It's gonna store it. And for a lot of people... In the morning, that's what I like about fasting is that in the morning, most people are pretty stressed. We're going to have cortisol up because it wakes us up. That's naturally, we want that. But we're going into work. We're eating like our granola bar, apple, whatever we can throw in fast enough and rushing to work. And then we're going to sit in a meeting or sit. We're not going to burn those carbs off. Now I'm not hating on apples or granola bars. It's more that it's just not a effective way to eat. So I talk to a lot of folks about looking at your day. Is it the evening? Is your evening your most stressful time? Okay, then this is a time where you're not wanting to overeat. You're not wanting to eat like two servings of mashed potatoes. You're wanting to get in your veggies, you know, dark leafies, eat a little bit more protein, a little bit of fat in that time frame, and ditch the carbs at that point. So manage your stress for sure, absolutely going to help. But also looking at when are you most stressed? You could take a cortisol, saliva cortisol test. Those are awesome for telling you when your body is pumping the most cortisol out as you take those four times a day. So that would be another way to look at it. But yeah, you can reduce your belly fat by reducing stress, but you also have to look at what your body's doing metabolically with the carbs when you're most stressed. And think about making sure that with your stress management, you're moving and looking at portions, portions of carbs. I'm not an anti-carb person. I'm just a portions person. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, it's been so much fun having you on the show. You are a blast to talk with. Um, So tell listeners a little bit about where they can find you and follow your work.
0: Okay. So I am on Dr. Janine Krause, so drjkrause.com. It's um, just on my website wrong. It's hilarious. D O C T O R J K R A U S E N D dot com. That is my main website. And I'm on Instagram, and that's Dr. Janine Krause. So D R. J-A-N-N-I-N-E-K-R-A-U-S-E all smashed together. You can see my personality there. I like to do videos. Um, That's the two main places to find me. Yes, I'm a little bit on Facebook, but I'll be honest, I'm not as good with Facebook as my other sources. And I've got some courses online if you're looking at the gut course like you mentioned, and also stress management course to help you to look at where you're becoming stressed and how to deal with that.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks again for being with us. We really, really appreciate it.